Hi friends, this is Jeff. Thank you for tuning in to the Unchained Gospel Podcast, where we let the lion out of its cage in order to set the captives free from theirs. Over the course of the next seven episodes, we will be going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. get you caught up if you haven't been here already the first week we met we talked about the fruit of Jesus Christ and how it's important that we use God's word to plant seed in the lives of others and how when we yield to him the Lord can bear fruit in our lives after that we looked at the supremacy of Jesus Christ about how he is the ruler and creator and sustainer of all things and how he's chosen to come and live inside of us not strictly to just hang out with us You know, he doesn't give up his authority. He takes control of our lives and leads us to live a life better than we ever thought possible uh, that he's in control of and protecting and guiding us through this world. And then last week, if you were here, we talked about the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. The mission was to come and save the world from their sins and then to send out those that have been saved to reach others and to, to do the work that God has prepared for us to do here on earth. Tonight we're going to look at the fundamentals of Christ, talking about what it means to be built up with the simple truths of the gospel. And uh, it's very dangerous for us as Christians to start to get into philosophy and start to look at uh, worldly logic or, um, you know, mysticism or whatever it may be to try to understand Jesus because we can't see him tangibly. We don't have that view of him or that perspective of him. So it's very tempting to start to mystify Jesus into this intangible being. But he's taught us about himself. And he's taught us what the truth of the gospel is and how the power of the gospel changes the lives of everyone around us. So uh, he picks up in chapter 2 of Colossians. And he says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. And for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ." So if you guys can't hear me, I just invite you to come closer, uh, but I'll do my best. Paul is talking to the Colossian church, and he's saying that I have this struggle, this burden for you, and even the conflict that he was enduring, which we talked a little bit about last week, the conflict of him going to prison for his faith, for his outspokenness about the gospel, being thrown into prison, being whipped, and being beaten, and being suffering for Christ. And it was because of that, that he wanted Christians to essentially see that struggle and realize the, why it was happening and it was for their benefit so that they would, number one, reach into all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, which basically means that, as we saw at the beginning of Colossians, there was a hope that Christians have and it's our security of eternal life with Christ in heaven. And we place our hope in that, even though we don't experience that today. We don't get to be with Jesus in that physical way as we will someday. And because of that, because of that perspective of eternity, we allow that to change our lives for the better here on earth. And having that full assurance is how 
we can then spread the gospel throughout the world and how we can make disciples throughout the world. And Paul is saying, I'm struggling. I'm going through this conflict so that you will take a hold of all the riches of Christ that are available to you. And it's important for us as Christians to not shortchange God sometimes and think that he's not concerned with the, the trivial things in this world. He is concerned with the hairs of our head, a sparrow falling to the ground. God takes notice of those things. How much more those that he created in his own image. So it's important that people and saints specifically are fully assured of their destiny so that we can preach that destiny to the lost world so that they can be reconciled to God. We talked about that last week. And the other important thing is the knowledge of the mystery of God. He wants us to understand what the mystery is. And we learned last week, the mystery of God is that Christ would live inside of us and be the hope of glory. These earthly bodies that are temporal, that get sick, that get pain, that suffer, we're going to receive a new body in the image of Christ someday. And this Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee of that redemption, of that reconciliation to God. So that's what Paul wants the Christians in Colossae to know, and that's what he wants us Christians to know, is to know our our, our surety in heaven, our destiny, and to also know that we've been sealed by God's Holy Spirit. And that is the evidence of the fact that we will be redeemed. He put a down payment on us with his blood, and he redeemed us off the slave market so that we could be with him forever. Because of that, Paul was facing external struggles, and in some ways internal struggles, because he was battling oftentimes with the old nature and, and battling with the fact of the things that he had done before Christ. But he was willing to endure those things for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the people that were being led to Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he says in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, Jesus Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority, which we looked at last week. So I just want to take a moment and look at this idea of belief in Christ, not according to the way the world sees Jesus, or wants to call him just a great teacher or a great moral uh, example for us to follow because if Jesus wasn't the son of God then he was a liar so that means that he's not a good moral example for us to follow so it's important that we understand that Jesus made claims that he was God and in order to accept Jesus we need to understand that he was the son of God now oftentimes people try like I said to mystify Jesus and make him this not real person that's just kind of like an idea of loving everybody and just being happy all the time that's what Jesus is all about but there's truth that Mankind was, uh, that we have sinful nature that needs to be put to death, and it was on the cross in Jesus Christ. So it's important that we don't just leave Jesus out there as an idea of a nice way to live. That's not what it's all about. It's about him actually changing us from the inside out. And oftentimes when we don't allow ourselves to get into the scriptures and understand what the Bible really says, we are easily led astray by other philosophies, other doctrines that come along. And you have to remember that Paul, this was a new thing. The church in the New Testament was a very new thing. And very quickly after Paul would plan a church or start a work, 
people would follow him and start to direct people to start following other things other than Jesus Christ or things in addition to Jesus Christ, whether it be the old ways of the law or you know, a new strict regimen of how to live your life. And Jesus says that we don't have to fulfill the law by doing works. He says we believe in the law fulfiller, which is himself. He fulfilled the law and the prophets, and we place our faith in him. That's why he says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, if you're familiar with the scriptures, the way we received Jesus Christ is by our faith. So just as we've received Jesus by faith, he says we should walk in him in the same way, which is walking by faith. We don't walk in works. We don't walk in action. We walk by faith. And the faith is the catalyst for the good works that we do. Because the good works came from Jesus Christ. He prepared them for us to do. So he gets all the glory. The problem is when mankind starts to boast and starts to take ownership of the things that are happening, the good things or whatever, then we start to separate ourselves from what Jesus was all about. We start to make it high-mindedness and a high philosophy that does not uh, reflect Jesus' authority. It starts to become about our ideas and our traditions. And I just wanted to talk about that briefly because many of us have been raised in church tradition or in some form of religion or another. And it's all about a set way of living to earn God's favor or to be pleasing to God. But we know when we look at the scriptures, that no one can please God in their own strength. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, it says. So if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can't be pleasing to God. So why would we think that when we wake up in the day and we look at our list of good things to do, that by checking those boxes, we earn favor with God? We can't do it. It's because of Jesus that we've been reconciled to God. We can find no other pathway to God than Jesus Christ. So when we look at this, this is something that I struggled with, to be honest with you, for a very long time. I agonized over it. How could Jesus, how could the Spirit of God come and live inside me as a believer? And I can't tell you all the the X's and O's of how it works. But what I can tell you is that my life is different when I yield to Jesus Christ. When I try to do things in my own strength, things are not a reflection of God. And I know that that's because the Holy Spirit is trying to... Uh, essentially uh, subjugate me to, you know, to take authority over my, my actions because he knows what's best for me and yielding ourselves and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us up, to get rid of all the things in our hearts and our minds and our lives that are squatting on the territory that is rightfully Jesus's, which is the throne of my heart. Everything that I place on the throne that takes Jesus's place is only going to lead to destruction. So the idea of having to submit to God is not an easy thing. But once we do that, we start to see the growth and the fruit that we talked about a couple weeks back. We start to see those things reflected in our lives. I also have a hard time reconciling the idea of how I can't bring anything to the table when it comes to my salvation. Because everybody from the beginning of time, essentially, has been trying to do good things in order to work for God's favor. And for me specifically, as someone who's been a Christian for a long time, I always thought that the grace of God was there for the first timers so that when you get saved, the grace of God is there for you. But once you're saved, now you got to work for it. you got to earn it. You know, if you've ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, not to spoil the movie, but at the end, when all these men have given their lives trying to find this, this soldier who's the last left of his family, the main character looks at him as he's dying and says, earn this. 
which is really cool and you're like, yeah, live your life in a way that earns what these men sacrifice to give you. But as Christians, we can oftentimes take that mentality and say, I'm going to earn what God has done for me. He, I'm not going to be any man's debtor. The interesting thing is, is when we do good works, it says that God actually gave us those good works. So we actually further indebt ourselves to God when we live a holy life because it's him living through us. Any holiness of us is not us. It's God inside of us. So it's very important that we realize that. But I struggled with that for a really long time because I tried to wrap my head around it with my worldly logic and my worldly mindset of, but I have to have something to do with it because I want to be able to take some of the glory. And we would never admit that. We're trying to steal glory from God, but essentially that's what we're doing. So he says, just as you've received Jesus Christ, walk in him by faith rooted and built up in him and established in the faith not in your own strength he's not saying build up a good foundation in jesus christ yourselves he's saying receive jesus by faith and allow him to root you in him which we talked about a couple weeks back about the gospel being planted and taking up root in our lives so that it can bear fruit jesus is the master builder he's building us up he's establishing us uh, one verse in, in 1 Corinthians 3 says that we are God's building, that he's actually the master builder building on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which is Jesus Christ. And he's doing the building. We are not doing it ourselves. Abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. The biggest problem in the church today, and I don't like to really like talk about the negative things, is but what happens is people expect the pastor to know the word and they don't know the word themselves and parents expect the church or the school to teach their kids about Jesus Christ and lay the foundation of Jesus Christ in their lives and everybody kind of passes the buck even we ourselves don't take accountability for the fact that God has given us his word to study and to find that foundation which is Jesus Christ and what happens is we go off to college or we see something online and someone has a very convincing argument for why you should not be a Christian. And we buy into it because we have no foundation in what we believe. And Jesus is crying out. And the whole volume of the scriptures is saying it's about Jesus Christ, knowing him and making him known to the world. So if I could encourage you guys, become a student of the Bible. We have to study the scriptures. We have to disciple ourselves and seek out others to disciple us, to allow us to grow not because it makes us better Christians. Not because God's happier with us when we can memorize verses. That's not what I'm saying. But what it does for us is that it strengthens our faith. It further establishes us from our perspective in the truth that is we are saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That truth does not change. Our perspective on that truth can change. It can wane. It can get weaker. Our faith can be weak, lessened because of our perspective on the, the situations or the arguments from this world. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that Jesus himself became our wisdom. And what is awesome about that is when we set our mind on things above, when we set our mind on things of heaven, God is not intimidated by the fact that some scientist or philosopher doesn't believe that he exists. God God doesn't have a low self-esteem that we need to clap our hands like Tinkerbell to get him to continue to exist. God is the one that's on the throne. And when we 
ourselves understand who God is and understand the authority that Jesus has and the fact that the mystery of God is that he would choose to come and dwell inside his followers, his believers, his disciples for the very reason to reflect his glory to the world, then how could we allow the arguments of this world to change our perspective on God? Our, our perspective is way up here. It's great. It's amazing when we see that truth in our lives and reflected. So this idea of being rooted and grounded, it's very important that we study the scriptures, like I said, but we also want to bear fruit and further take that root in our lives. If you remember, there's a, a parable of the seed of the sower, and there's one seed that's planted, and it, and it withers and dies when the persecution comes, when the hard times come. And oftentimes we as Christians today, the persecution we experience may not be physical, but it can be people arguing with us about our faith, trying to disprove the truth of the gospel, trying to make us look foolish in class because our professor or our teacher says we're stupid for believing in Jesus Christ. Oftentimes that's the tribulation that we feel. That's the, the persecution that we experience. And if you recall, the one that does not bear fruit is the one that... It doesn't have any root because when that tribulation, that sun beats on the seed, it withers away and dies. So it's so important that we root ourselves in Jesus Christ, not in worldly religion, not in worldly philosophy, but in the fundamentals of Jesus Christ. You know, fundamentalism has become a, a swear word in this culture. A being fundamental is basically just building from the ground up. You know, it's... When we teach somebody a sport, we always say, well, we got to teach you the fundamentals. No one says, how dare you accuse me of being a fundamentalist when it comes to my baseball practice? You're right. It doesn't work that way. But for some reason, when we throw God in the mix, being fundamental is being extreme, is being a terrorist or something like that. It's not. Being fundamental is understanding that there is simple truth that has been laid from the before the foundation of the world. So I'd rather place my faith in something that was before the foundation of this world because that truth will never change no matter what the world does. So instead of placing your faith in the worldly philosophy of this world, place your faith in something that was founded before this world, which is Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain from before the world was founded. That's a great place to set your hope and to build from the ground up. A couple verses for you guys as we close. 1 Corinthians, the first two chapters, I encourage you to read them on your own because Paul goes into much greater detail about the importance of setting our mind on Christ and allowing our wisdom to come from Him. He says, For the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, those who are dead in their sins. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And he continues on and he says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So people look at Christians and say they're silly, they're narrow-minded, they are naive. And God is up in heaven saying, that's what I want. I don't want man to climb some ladder to me to think that he's achieved some higher knowledge. 
We saw it in the Tower of Babel where man tried to build their way up to God. It doesn't work that way. God says, no, I'm going to come down. I'm going to bring wisdom down to you. You're not going to attain some wisdom up here. I'm going to come and make myself wisdom so that when I come inside the believer and take over the house, I will build it up the way I see it to be. And that's so encouraging to us as Christians. It says in uh, verse 30, Because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I'll read one last verse to you as we close. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 says this, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So when we see God and we receive Jesus Christ by faith, he gives us his Holy Spirit as the payment, the deposit slip that we will be redeemed that the hope that we have of our eternal destiny in heaven is for real. And it will affect, it will change for the better our lives here on this world. Because we've placed our faith in something that is not of this world, something that was created before this world even existed, which is the divine love of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ coming and agreeing to lay his life down for humanity so that they could be saved. Those are the fundamentals that Christians believe. It's not the fact that God hates everybody and can't wait to judge them. That's not the fundamental of Christianity. The fundamental of Christianity is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the fundamental of Christianity and that's what God calls us to believe.